right, you may be seated. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles back to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. It will be in verses 14 through 29. Mark, chapter 6, 14 through 29. The fear of God versus the fear of man. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are thankful that you lead us. Where else could we go? As the Apostle Peter said, Jesus, only you have the words of eternal life. And so this morning, Father, we turn to your word. And we pray that you would lead us, you would guide us, you would convict us, reprove us, you would teach us, you would exhort us, you would strengthen us in and through your word. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. The fear of God versus the fear of man. Imagine this being said about you. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than, and you could put your name there. That is a very sobering, powerful statement. Well, that is exactly what Jesus had to say about John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Jesus proclaimed John to be the greatest born of women. You see, John the Baptist was an old school prophet called by the Lord to be the forerunner of the Messiah, of Jesus. He lived in the wilderness. He wore camel's hair. He ate locusts and wild honey. And through all of his time with God, John became a man of conviction, a man of righteousness, a man of courage, a man who preached God's word with passion, boldness, and urgency. And when he was called by God to preach publicly, he preached a message of repentance. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world as he proclaimed the coming of Jesus. He called out the religious establishment for their hypocrisy, and he referred to them as a brood of vipers, of snakes. And yet in all this, he was also filled with humility, the scriptures tell us, because he proclaimed, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals of the one who's coming after me. Today we will see in this passage the death, the tragic death of this faithful man of God. You see, he chose to fear God and to not fear man. Let's read together in Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, 
John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. Others said, he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I have beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sinned and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king, and she asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorrow, exceeding, exceedingly sor sorry, excuse me, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The first truth I'd like for us to look at this morning is simply living in the fear of man, living in the fear of man. Look back at verse 14. It says, King Herod heard of it. Well, what was he hearing? He was hearing about Jesus and the ministry that was happening. And if you go back to verses 12 and 13, the gospel was going forth by the apostles as well as by Jesus. There was a call to repent and believe in verse 13. They were casting out demons. They were anointing with oil. Many who were sick were healed. In other passages, we know there was the, the raising of the dead. And so Herod, after this had been going on for a, a year, begins to, to get a whiff of this, of an understanding of this, of that God was at work, and he's wondering what is going on. Now, a little bit about King Herod. And let me tell you, as we go through this, this is like a modern-day soap opera. It's a sad, sad story when you think about Herod and Herodias. There are four Herods that are mentioned in the New Testament. The Herod in our passage here in Mark 6 is Herod Antipas. He was the second of the four. He was the son of Herod the Great. And if you remember Herod the Great, he was the one who slaughtered all of the baby boys that were two years and under 
whenever he had found out of the birth of the coming king of Jesus and he wanted to destroy Jesus and so he had all of the boys two years and under murdered there in Bethlehem and so Herod Antipas was his son and so after Herod the Great there were four different sons of Herod that became uh, tetrarchs they ruled over a fourth of kind of the area and Herod Antipas was over the Galilee and Perea area now ultimately the Ro the Romans were ruling all of this but they put basically these kind of puppet kings uh, in place that's a little bit about Herod and by the way Herod Antipas was still ruling during the time of the trial of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus and we'll look at that a little bit later so now back to verses 14 through 16 Herod is hearing these reports about Jesus but at this point he doesn't know that it's Jesus some are saying it's the great prophet Elijah because when you go to Malachi chapter 4 it talked about how Elijah would come uh, the, the judgment of God, of the last coming of God, which we know John the Baptist was really a fulfillment uh, of that. And others were saying, well, no, this is just a great prophet uh, that has come. But for Herod, living in fear, and we'll learn the story here in a minute, he believes, he's haunted by, this may very well be John the Baptist come back to life. And you see that when you look at verse 16. It says, when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I have beheaded, has been raised. And he's come back, basically, to judge me. So he's, he's haunted by this. He's fearful of this. Proverbs 29, 25, if you'll turn there. When we think about the fear of man and living in the fear of man, which we will see all throughout the life of Herod, Proverbs 29, 25 lets us know that this is a, a major sin problem of the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, The fear of man lays a snare or a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You see, King Herod is living in fear, the fear of man, and he's enslaved by this, he's entrapped by this, he's haunted by this, so he has no contentment, he has no peace in his life because he's not fearing God, he's fearing man. Now the second truth in contrast to King Herod is living in the fear of God. Let's go back to Mark 6, look at verse 17. Living in the fear of God. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. And so John the Baptist, about a year before during his public ministry, during his time of preparing for the coming Messiah of Jesus, he was arrested by Herod. Now, again, let me give you a little bit of background before we get to John the Baptist. When you think about the Herod family, it was filled with polygamy, it was filled with incest, and it was filled with gross sexual immorality. 
I do not have time to go into all of this. It was a very complex thing when you study other historical documents. But Herod the Great had ten wives. Ten wives. Herod Antipas, who's in our passage today, was the son of Herod's fourth wife. Herodias was a granddaughter of Herod the Great through his second wife and was thus a niece of Herod Antipas. Okay, so there's all these family connections that are there. She was also married to Philip, Herod Antipas's brother, but she divorced him and then married Herod Antipas, who had also divorced his first wife. Herod had taken his brother's wife. I told you, this is like a modern-day soap opera. It's gross, it's sickening, it's immorality to the fullest. So when you read about the Herods in Scripture, it's a terrible thing. By the way, it probably helps you understand a little bit more. I think Doug has preached on this, uh, when Herod was eaten, one of the Herods was eaten by worms when he stole the glory of God. Now, let's turn the corner to John the Baptist. So now that we have a little bit of the background, how he feared God. So in verse 18, for John had been saying to Herod. So this was an ongoing thing. John was calling out the sin of Herod. There had been many conversations, and look at what it says in verse 18. It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herod, Herodias, you are in sin, and you need to repent. Now, we don't have time, but you could go to Leviticus chapter 19 of just the law of God. Uh, there was obviously adultery that was going on here. You've got incest going on. Uh, he was married to his brother's wife, which you were not supposed to do unless your brother was dead. So, I mean, all of these things were going on of how Herod had sinned against the law of God. Look at verse 19. So what's the response? Is it, oh, yes, John, you're correct, and we need to repent. No, it's not. Verse 19, Herodias had a grudge against him. And she wanted him put to death, but she could not. She hated John the Baptist, and she wanted him killed. It seems like the microphone's going in and out. Is it going in and out? Okay. So if somebody can fix that, that would be awesome. If not, I will talk as loud as I can. So let's turn to John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. And I want us to see how man's heart, the wickedness and the sinfulness of man, hates the light, hates the truth. And that's really what's going on with John the Baptist. So look at John 3, 19 through 21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, 
lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Look at verse 20 specifically. Those that are doing wickedness hate the light. Herod, they hate John the Baptist because he stood for the truth. He stood for the word of God and he was calling out their sin. Also, by the way, marriage is important to God. You should take that from this passage. We'll get to Mark chapter 10, 6 through 9 in a little bit. But John the Baptist stood for biblical marriage. One man, one woman committed before the Lord of the marriage covenant. And Herod and Herodias were completely going against that. So may we be a church that stands for the biblical view of marriage. Young people, if you are considering marriage, it's a serious thing before the Lord that you would honor God and you would glorify Him and that you would marry someone that loves the Lord and the vows that you take for richer, for poor, for better, for worse, until death do us part would be the cry of your heart and by the grace of God through the work of His Spirit, through the truth of His Word, being faithful to those vows. Amen? This is a passage of unfaithfulness. And God is not pleased. So now we come to verse 20. Back in Mark chapter 6 in verse 20. So we've seen the hate, and now in verse 20, we see that Herod feared John. Why? Because he knew John was a righteous man. He was a holy man. He was a godly man. And to some extent, Herod is trying to keep uh, John the Baptist safe from Herodias. So he has him in prison. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed. And yet, he heard him gladly. It's kind of a weird thought here. John the Baptist, excuse me, Herod enjoyed listening to John the Baptist, even though he didn't fully understand what he was preaching and what he was teaching. It, it's almost like Herod considered John maybe to be like his lucky rabbit's foot. Because he was a godly man, I kind of want to keep John around me. I do want to hear what he has to say. And maybe at times there was even conviction from what John was preaching and sharing with Herod. But as we'll see from the story, in no way, shape, or form is Herod a believer. In no way, shape, or form is he broken and repentant over his sin. Herod would have been known what we call today a fence straddler. He kind of wanted the good things of religion, but he surely wasn't surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. So John the Baptist feared God. He was willing to do what was right, no matter what the cost. 
And now we come to the third truth this morning. The third truth is living in the fear of man leads to bad choices. Living in the fear of man leads to bad choices. Look at verse 21. So an opportunity comes. Herod has a birthday bash. He's invited all of his nobles, all of his high government officials. He's invited the military commanders. He's invited all the leading men in Galilee. And even though we don't have all of the details, pretty safe to say that this would have been a party of gluttony, a party of drunkenness, a party of sexual perversion, okay? This was not a birthday party of honoring the Lord, honoring, really celebrating somebody's birthday, okay? This was an opportunity for gross sin and immorality. And we see that in verse 22. Herodias' daughter comes in and she dances. Again, this was probably not any kind of dancing that would have been honoring to the Lord. She pleased Herod and his guests, these other men, with her erotic dancing. She the king says to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask, I will give to you up to half of the kingdom. You see, when you're living in sin and when you're living in the fear of man, you make foolish choices. This was an absolute foolish saying, foolish choice by Herod. Now, will she ask for a position somewhere in the kingdom? Will she ask for money? Will she ask for horses? Will she ask for dresses? Well, we know the rest of the story, don't we? Look at verse 24. She goes out. She goes to her mother, Herodias. What should I ask? And you see, Herodias probably in some way, shape, or form had already planned all of this. And so immediately when Herodias' daughter comes to her, what should I ask for? She says, the head of John the Baptist. And then in verse 25, she comes immediately with haste to the king, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about just the, the depravity, the depthness of this. That Herodias would be able to so quickly ask for the head of John the Baptist and for her daughter, this young teenager probably, to so quickly say, okay, I'll go and ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. This is sickening. It's disgusting. This is where sin will take you. It's the path of destruction. It's the path of hell. It leads to things that we would think no way would that ever happen. And it happens every single day right here in our own country, in our own community. And apart from God's grace, it happens in our own hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9 is still true. The heart of man is deceitful above all things. 
and desperately wicked. The heart of man is totally depraved and it is exceedingly sinful and apart from Christ, apart from the gospel, apart from the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, this is who we are. This is the direction we go. You see it in Genesis 6. You see the heart of God was sad because every intent of man's heart was on evil all the time. And God brought judgment. He brought the flood. And we see it perversion after perversion after perversion. Shemo, we were talking about King David last night. He was a man after God's own heart. And yet you read in 2 Samuel chapter 12, he gets caught up in gross sexual immorality. He has commits adultery with Bathsheba. He has her husband murdered. So I'm here to tell you this morning, even if you are in the faith, Guard your heart. The evil one is lurking. Your heart is sinful. And we need the gospel every single moment of every single day. We're no different than Herod. Apart from the grace of God. So instead of being judgmental and condemning the world. We should go out and give them the gospel. We should apply it to our own heart. And we should share with them the love and truth of Christ. Because everything that Stephen talked about in prison. That's the reality of hearts that have been lost and gone astray from the grace of God. And now in verse 26, King Herod, he has this moment in time to do what's right. He could choose right now, even in all of his sin, by the grace of God to fear God, to worship God, to love God and not give in to the fear of man. I want you to think about this. How many times had Herod heard the truth from John the Baptist? He knew the gospel. He knew he needed to repent. He knew he needed to be right with God. And here was a man who had loved him and had preached the truth to him. Would he fear God now and would he do what was right? Would he confess his sin before the Lord, repent and beg for forgiveness? Would he say no to this hideous request? Would he choose to do what is right and become a laughingstock to his friends and his community and lose his position, lose his power, lose whatever fame he had? Would he do what was right? Or would he give in to the fear of man and take part in this evil act of beheading John the Baptist? Who had done nothing wrong. Look at verse 26 again. The king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. Sad. He gives in to the fear of man. You see, being sorry over something is not genuine repentance. Just because you're convicted over something doesn't mean you're in the faith. It doesn't mean you've been born again. It doesn't mean that you've been saved by the grace of God. You see, the actions of Herod show us where his heart really was. You know what the fear of man really is? The fear of man is really the love of self over the love of God. Every time we give in to the fear of man, it's because we're choosing to love ourselves 
instead of loving God. And we all struggle with it. One commentary said this, How many people's consciences have been awakened to eternal things and their own sinful plight, and yet they have buried it all because of what they feared their friends, their family, their spouse, or fellow students would think or say about them if they truly surrendered and followed Jesus. And now in verses 27 through 29, so sad, the king sends the executioner with the order to bring John's head. And so he goes and he beheads John there in the prison. He brings his head on a platter. So this is so gross. He gives it to the girl. The girl gives it to her mother. And then yet, we got this moment of courage, this moment of light in the midst of this darkness in verse 29. When his disciples, the disciples of John heard of it, they came and they took the body and they laid it in a tomb. You see, they were willing to sacrifice their lives to say, you know what, we're gonna get, we're going to go get the body of John the Baptist and make sure he at least gets a proper burial. I want you to turn to Luke 23. I want you to see in the grace and the mercy of God, King Herod, this wicked man, God gives him another opportunity to repent. Luke 23, 6 through 12. By the way, you don't know how many opportunities you're going to have to repent and believe in the gospel. Today's the day of salvation. But look at Luke 23. This is the same Herod. Verse 6. When Pilate heard this, this is when Jesus is on trial, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he's talking about Jesus here, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. And so Pilate sends Jesus over to Herod Antipas. Verse 8, when Herod saw Jesus, I want you to think about this. In the grace of God, Herod is now before the Messiah. He's before the king. He's before truth. He's before love. And in verse 8, he sees Jesus. He was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. He just wanted to see a sign. He wasn't broken. He wasn't repentant. Verse 9, so he questioned him at some length, but he, Jesus, made no answer. And then look at what Herod does. This is so sad. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt, contempt, excuse me, and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been in enmity with each other. Instead of surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ, he ridicules and makes fun of Jesus. 
and he misses again the opportunity to repent and to be forgiven by God. Now, one may ask when we think about John the Baptist, where is God in all of this? How come the man who fears God, who's preaching truth, he, he's doing what's right, and he's the one who gets beheaded, while this other man who loves himself, he loves sin, he loves wickedness, he lives in the fear of man, and yet it seems like he's the one that gets rewarded. You know, this is a struggle all throughout Scripture and all throughout church history of God. Where, where are you at in the midst of such suffering? Well, the first thing I want you to understand in Matthew chapter 14, you can turn on your own sometime. It's the parallel account of this. And when you go to verses 12 through 14, the disciples immediately tell Jesus what had happened to John the Baptist. And you want to know where Jesus is at? It says that Jesus withdrew to a solitary place and he spent time by himself. Why? Because Jesus was grieving the loss of his friend, his brother, John the Baptist. So if you're here this morning and you're going through suffering, you're going through adversity, you're going through affliction, you need to know Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And he's at the right hand of the Father. And he makes intercession for his people. And he loves you and he cares for you. You can cast your cares and burdens upon him because he does care for you. Jesus wasn't absent in any of this. As Stephen mentioned earlier, this was simply the sovereign plan of God for the glory of God and the furtherance of the kingdom going forth. Jesus cared. Jesus knew. And also in 2 Timothy 3, 12 and 13, again, we don't have time to turn there, but it says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You need to understand this morning, suffering is an essential part of God's plan of furthering his kingdom. Guys, we'll suffer. But are we living for the here and now? As one biblical counselor says, eternity makes all the difference. Guys, this is not our home. You're not living for your house. You're not living for these cars. We're not living for this piece of property. We are living for the Lord Jesus Christ and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So as soon as John the Baptist died, he went to be with God. Be with God. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is not our home. And finally, I want to leave us with 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I do want you to turn there. It's a little bit longer passage. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Because the flip side of this, if you think that Herod just got away with everything, and I don't know if he repented later in life. I mean, there's no account that he did. 
if he didn't, he was condemned and damned to hell. But we need to remember, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Check out 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also, there's that word again, suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. He's coming back in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Judgment is coming. And if you reject Jesus Christ, if you are rejecting Jesus Christ today, you are under the wrath and judgment of God. And nobody is exempt from that. This is why we need Jesus. Think about this amazing love. Jesus took our place. He substituted himself on the cross to suffer God's wrath and judgment. Shimo, he took your sin. He took my sin and it was placed on him, not because he was sinful, as he was sinless, but he shed his perfect blood to cleanse us from all of our sin, to cover our sin so that we could be forgiven and so that we could have eternal life, that we could have a relationship with God. We could have eternity with Christ forever. Do you believe today? Are you fearing God? Have you repented of your sin and trusted in Christ alone to save you? Or are you still living in the fear of man and loving yourself? May God have mercy. May we not be like King Herod who rejected the truth over and over and over. Pastor Doug, I thought about this. God's grace and kindness is surely not about us. But guys, this is a church that has preached and taught you the truth since 2004 when God birthed this church. So for 17 years, hundreds of people have heard the truth. You're going to stand before God and give an account of that. That's a serious thought. A serious thought. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this testimony of just faithfulness, God, of just your amazing grace at work and John the Baptist, his life, and he surrendered all to you. He was a sinful man just like us, but he followed you and he preached with a conviction. He stood for what was right and he feared you, God, over fearing man. We know that John the Baptist is with you now. He's received the reward of his labors, his trust in you. And then the other side, God, is the sad reality of a man who rejected you, King Herod. 
God, you were gracious. You were merciful. And as far as we know, he didn't receive it. Father, you've been gracious and merciful to us today. You've given us a beautiful day. You gave us your word today. We got to hear it. Father, I pray that we would trust you and we would obey your word. So you do the work, God, that only you can do in each of our hearts. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and worship the Lord through song of praising our great Savior.